Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Luke chapter 17 will serve as the basis, the foundation for our sermon this morning. Luke 17, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith, as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to that servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink after that? you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he, was, he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Very recently, I heard a mother tell her story uh, about what her Sunday mornings are like. The mother said that the scene that takes place in our family's home does not so much look like a scene of a group of Christian people getting ready for church. No, instead, it looks like a scene straight out of a gangster movie. She said there is bribes, there is screams, there is threats, and there is the obligatory chase scene as I run after my youngest son. She said it's a stark contrast compared to what happens in the remaining hour when I get to worship with the warm handshakes and greetings, with the uplifting worship songs, and the meditation with hands folded and heads bowed on God's word. Now, don't worry, this this mother who was sharing this story, she doesn't go to this church, okay? But she went on to say about her experience that doesn't sit well with her. It doesn't sit well that there is this huge contrast between the hour that leads up to worship and the hour that that is worship. And so she said what, what she often does when she pulls into the parking lot is just pause and, and turn around to her kids and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not listening to your needs and 
I'm sorry for raising my voice. She said what, what is most surprising to her is what her youngest son usually says to her. It's simply this. Mom, I forgive you. Now, can I have a snack? Now, you think about that, she said, because my son not only forgives right away and forgives all the way, he actually, she said, takes it a step further and then wants to break bread together, usually in the form of goldfish. Think about her son for a moment. The faith of a child. The faith to forgive right away and all the way and completely in every way. There was no belittling. There was no holding on to grudge. There was no, mom, you did it last week and now you're doing it again this week? (laughs) I don't think so. No. There was just forgiveness. We have a lot to learn from this little man. Lord, increase our faith. That's the name of our sermon series, as I mentioned in the introduction to our worship. We're asking with the disciples to increase our faith. And last week, what we did is is we made sure to review what exactly that means when we're asking that prayer. What is faith is what we considered last week. And here's what we know. We know three things. That faith, Ephesians 2 says, is a gift from God. It is not something we got on our own. It's not something we decided to get. It is something our God graciously gave to us. We know that faith is a gift. And secondly, we know how we get that gift. That faith comes through hearing the message, the message of Christ. The message of Christ in baptism, the message of Christ in the sacrament of communion, the message of Christ in its spoken word and read word. That's how faith comes. And we also know that this faith, it isn't like how we might also use faith in, in more colloquial terms to describe a pious wish or, or maybe something we want. No, faith has an object. Faith has a foundation. And this faith is Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter, the one who started and sustains our faith. This is what scripture means when it talks about faith. It is saving faith. So what does it mean when we say, Lord, increase our faith? Well, specifically, what we're not saying is that, well, faith or the object, Jesus Christ, and some people, Jesus is maybe a little stronger here than he is in the person sitting next to me, or maybe Jesus is a little more active in this person than that. No, no, no. Jesus is the same. You can't quantify him. And and faith in that regard, saving faith, is neither great or small, weak or strong. So what are we saying then when we say, Lord, increase our faith? Well, what we're saying is this, Lord, may you increase our faith in you as it is applied to a specific aspect or a specific promise of your word. Increase our knowledge, increase our trust, increase our confidence in you as it is applied to a specific promise in your word. So then, what promise are we looking at today? Well, we're looking at a promise that Jesus speaks on page after page after page of scripture. A promise that is the business of our God 
to forgive sins. Jesus says again and again and again, I forgive all of your sins. You think that's great. Why? I don't distrust that. Why, why are we praying, Lord, to increase our, our knowledge and our trust and our confidence in that promise? Well, let's dive into our text from Luke chapter 17. It begins this way. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, said this, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Friends, it's, it's noteworthy that right here in Luke chapter 17, we not only get the title of our worship series, but we also see the only time in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that someone not named Jesus speaks the word faith. Here, the disciples look at Jesus and they say, Lord, increase our faith. And, and what caused it? Well, Jesus said three things. And if you're following along with your worship guide here, you can take notes here. Jesus said, first of all, don't cause sins. Don't cause other people to sin. If you do, it would be better for you that you were drowned at the bottom of a sea. Jesus said, whoever causes one of these little ones. And He's not talking about babies. He's talking about new ones, rather. New ones in the Christian faith. If you cause one of them to sin, you would be better off dead. And so he follows it up by saying, watch yourselves. Can I translate that for you? Jesus is saying, don't do sins. Don't cause sins. Don't do sins yourself. And third, Jesus says this. He says, but if someone else does sin, forgive them. Like seven times? Jesus says, no, 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 not seven times. Even if it's seven times, get this, in a day, completely, con unconditionally, forgive them. Forgive them right away. Forgive them all the way. Don't do sins. Don't cause sins. And if someone else does do a sin... Forgive them. Forgive their sins. It's remarkable, but what is it that caused the disciples to say, Lord, increase our faith? It was Jesus' teaching on sin and forgiveness. You think about that. Jesus couldn't be more clear about what we as Christians are supposed to do, right? We're supposed to forgive sins, Forgiveness, it really isn't a complicated matter, is it? But why is it so hard? Why is it that the disciples look at this and, and they go, Lord, I, I don't think I have it in me. Jesus says it again in scripture, your sins are forgiven. On the very first Easter morning, after Jesus rose from the dead, he looked at his disciples then and said, you have peace 
You have peace between you and the Father, and now I am sending you. If you forgive anyone's sins, here's a promise, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. We know what made the disciples say, Lord, increase our faith. It was, it was a call to forgive. But why did they say it? Why, why is it so hard for the disciples to, to accept that promise? Why is it so hard for us to hear Jesus' call, to hear Jesus' promise that you are forgiven and then go and forgive like? Well, remember what we're asking. We're asking the Lord to increase our knowledge, our trust, and our confidence in his promise that sins are forgiven. And and what you forgive, he will forgive. Perhaps it's it's an issue with knowledge. Maybe we've, we've grown up. Maybe you've grown up believing something about forgiveness that the Bible just doesn't teach. Maybe, maybe your whole life you thought, well, I need to forgive and forget. And well, we know that we can't forget certain things. And the Bible never talks about us being able to just forget things. So maybe it's a knowledge thing. Maybe, maybe you, you don't know what the Bible says about forgiveness, that forgiveness, it is not permission to the other person to just keep on living that way. Maybe, maybe we don't know or, or we forget that, well, forgiveness, it isn't giving the person a license to sin. Maybe, maybe we don't know that forgiveness isn't conditional, that, that we don't have to wait for someone to say sorry before we forgive their sins. Maybe it's a knowledge issue. Or maybe it's a trust issue. Maybe we trust that God forgives our sins, but do we always trust him that he's going to have our back? Literally, he's going to strengthen us and sustain us emotionally when, when we forgive people who, who wrong us. Or do we think, if, if I forgive them, no, I'm, I'm just going to leave myself open to get burned and, and hurt again. Do we not trust that, that God's sense and system of justice is the best way? Or do we think that naturally we know better? That naturally that I'm going to withhold forgiveness and I'm going to get vengeance because that makes sense. That makes natural sense to me. So no, I'm not going to just pardon. I'm not just going to cancel out that sin. I'm going to do something about it. Do we not trust God and his word when he says that you, when you live that way, what you're doing is really hurting yourself? Because bitterness and anger, well, that, that can cause you to, to hurt from the inside out. Is it a knowledge issue? Is it a trust issue? Or is it this? Is it a confidence issue? Is our confidence in forgiving others ultimately a problem in our confidence in the forgiveness that we have in Christ? Friends, ultimately, this is what it is. If you're following along, our problem in confidently forgiving others is a confidence problem in the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. Perhaps no more clearly was this illustrated by Jesus himself 
than in the parable of the unmerciful servant. That story from Matthew chapter 18 goes like this. Here in this chapter where Jesus is is laying out again the teachings and the joys of forgiving others and doing so in the community of a Christian faith, he tells this story to his disciples. There once was a man who owed his boss some money. And not just a little bit of money, he owed him his career earnings. He went before his boss and, and he pled with him. He said, he said, please, please let me just keep working for you. I'll, I'll pay it all back. The boss said, no, I'm, I'm going to put you and your whole family in prison until that debt is repaid. And so he begged even more. He said, no, please let me just pay it back to you. And in that moment, you know what happened? His boss looked with him had pity on him, had compassion on him, and showed him mercy. He canceled his entire debt. He said, all your debt to me, gone. You don't owe interest. You don't owe anything to me anymore. Just just go and live in the freedom of that. But did he? The way that story goes is that very same man goes outside and he sees one of his fellow workers who didn't owe him his career earnings, but owed him about a day's, one day worth of work. And he began to harass him. He began to scream at him. He began to physically get angry towards him. Why? Because He didn't confidently live in the forgiveness that he had just received. Let me show you one more picture that illustrates this well. This one isn't a drawing, but it's rather a tweet from author and pastor Tullian Tavigian. He said this, he said, our willingness, our willingness to forgive someone is directly connected to how much we believe God has forgiven us. Believe is just the verb for the noun faith. Our willingness to forgive someone is directly connected to how much we have confidence or faith in the fact that God has forgiven you. If you don't ever think about the fact that God has forgiven you, are you really going to go and forgive anyone else? If you don't really trust, or maybe you doubt that God really can forgive you for what you have done, are we actually going to go and forgive others? Think about this for a moment. I know there's probably not someone who owes you their entire career earnings. But is there someone who has a debt against you? Not in terms of finance, but in terms of money or rather, spiritually. They've sinned against you. They've hurt you, harmed you, caused you grief or pain because they have done something that is not according to the will of your God. Our problem in confidently forgiving those who sin against us is a confidence problem in the forgiveness that we have received in Christ. That's why I like the second part of his tweet so very much. He said, the secret to forgiveness is to focus less, to focus less on what someone has done to us and more on what God has done for us. 
Think about that. There is hurt. There is debts that people have, have taken out against us in their sin. But what is the secret to forgiveness? It's, it's not coming from us. It's not focusing on us or what's been done to us, but rather what's been done for us. Probably the only thing that I disagree with Pastor Tavidian about is that it's not a secret. The secret is out. God has revealed to you the secret of forgiveness on page after page after page of scripture. It is his promises to you. We read it before, Daniel 9. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. We sang about it earlier in this worship service, that the Lord will forgive their wickedness and he'll remember our sins no more. We can't forget about sins. That's impossible. But God can do the impossible. He doesn't remember our sins anymore. And this is the one that we sang about, that our sins that are like a red crimson stain, God does the impossible and he makes them as white as snow. Jesus, on page after page, at every moment in his ministry, looked at his friends, looked at people he knew or did not know, and he told them, I forgive you all your sins. And now, what do we know? In Christ Jesus, we have redemption. We have been bought back. We are on Jesus' side. Our debt has been canceled. How? The forgiveness of sins is in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Christ Jesus paid your debt for you so that you can go and live free from that. It's not a secret anymore. What is the solution to our inability, our our lack of confidence in forgiving sins? It's simply to be here, be forgiven. Know that your confidence is in Christ, the object, the founder, the perfecter of your faith. It says, go and live from that. Friends, I don't have the confidence in me to forgive sins. And I hope you don't leave here. This is going to sound strange to say. I hope you don't leave here with confidence or self-assurance in you to be able to forgive sins. It sounds bad, but I don't have the confidence in myself to forgive even the sins that are committed against me with my wife, with my kids. I don't have it. And the disciples, they actually knew they didn't have it either. And that's what, that's what moved them to say to God, Lord, not help us be able to forgive. Lord, give us a special ability, a superpower to forgive sins. No, they said, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith, our our centeredness, our rootedness in you. And what did Jesus do? What did he reply to their request with? He didn't say, you just got to try harder. You just got to believe more. No, he told them this parable. He said, if you have faith, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted into the sea and it will obey you. Now you get what he's saying there, right? He's not talking about seeds and mulberry bushes because we just got done talking about sin and faith and forgiveness, and he heard the disciples plead, Lord, increase our faith. What he's saying here is this. If you have faith in me, you know that faith is a gift. 
It is a gift of God that comes through the word that's rooted in Christ. If you have faith in me, even a little bit, you know what you can do? You can do something that is completely impossible, something that is completely unnatural. I'm going to tell you this. Trees aren't planted in seas. But Jesus said, you can do that. You can do the equivalent of that. You can forgive a whole tree full of sins. In fact, you can remove them. You can take them and drown them in the sea. And why? Well, it's not because of you. It's because of the root, the object, the foundation of your faith. It is in me. It is in me who has done that for you, Jesus says. I have taken your sins and I didn't just put them on a mulberry tree. I put them on the tree of the cross and I forgave them there, all of them, all the way, right away. I took your sins and I, and I took them in the waters of your baptism, not just to see the waters of my word and promise and I washed them away completely as far as the east is from the west, they're gone. Christ says, that is what I have done for you. Yeah, it is true. Forgiving sins is perhaps the most unnatural thing to us. It might seem completely uncomfortable or impossible to us, but why is it all possible? It's because of our faith that is rooted in Christ. And God says, that is my business, the business of forgiveness. And well, now you can be about that too. He finishes off, in this way. He says the business of being a Christian is to not only be forgiven, but to be forgiving. Not only being forgiven in Christ Jesus, but being forgiving to others. And to bring that whole point home, he tells them this story. He says, look, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or, or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along, sit down and eat? No. Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink. And after that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants and we have only done our duty. Tell, bring this truth home to Jesus' disciples. He tells them a story to get them to look at this, this promise of forgiveness, this call to be forgiving from their own perspective. He says, if you had a servant, would you give him all of these special privileges? Would you, for no reason, expect kind of something different from them just for no reason? No, of course not. You are my servants. You are servants of the Most High God, and it's not a burdensome relationship, but rather he is a good and merciful servant who has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light, who has brought us into the joy and the wedding feast of heaven. And he says, there, live and serve beside me. He says, go and, and serve in that way. And he says, don't expect that you're going to get any special accolades Pats on the back or attaboys for, for doing the very things that I have done for you. But just go, go and be about my business. Be all business when you just go and, and go about the business of forgiveness. It's not unnatural. It's not impossible. It's simply what we do here inside my father's kingdom. 
be about the business of forgiveness. That's the business that our friend Chris is in. Chris grew up in Atlanta, and when his family was still young, his brothers and sisters not even born yet, uh, his mom and his dad moved to Charleston, South Carolina. As he was growing up there, he began to love and play baseball, and he was trying out for some summer teams as he was moving onto college ball. And on Wednesday night, his mom, Sharonda, who was the kids' coordinator for the kids' ministry at their church that they went to every single Sunday, and sometimes, most times, even on Wednesday nights for Bible class. Well, his, his mom, Sharonda, went to Bible class, and sadly, at the end of their Bible class, someone who is motivated by hate, someone who was motivated by racial undertones, murdered nine people when he opened fire on that Bible study on June 15, 17th, 2015. The very next night, Chris was supposed to play in a baseball game, and there was a gathering of a lot of crews and camera crews and, and community out there, and people asked Chris about the nightmare that he was just experiencing, the tragedy that had just struck not only his family, but his church and his community. Chris's response, he said, love is greater than hate, and I do forgive the person who murdered my mother while she was praying. He said this, he said, how could I not forgive when I'm already forgiven? hesitated to tell that story. I hesitated to tell it not because of the tragic nature of it, but because of the drastic nature of it. Sometimes I think we hear stories like that, and we, and we hear examples of faith like Chris, and we think, that's, that's just so unnatural. That's, that's so impossible. I, I don't know if I could do it. That's, that's too heroic. And you're right. You're right, Chris is a hero, and, and a faith like that is to be commended. But it's not impossible. It's not unnatural. Because it's not something in and of Chris. You see, Chris said it already. His, his forgiveness didn't come from him. His forgiveness didn't come from his ability to be forgiving or be loving. It came from what? The confidence that he already knew that his sins were forgiven in Christ. Friends, we have it not in ourselves to go out and forgive those in our lives who has done us great harms or just little things. But planted in Christ, our faith rooted and cemented in Christ Jesus and his promise of forgiveness to you, on one hand, it becomes the most natural thing in the to then just go out and be forgiving to others. Imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine if the people in our community, ah, let me back up. Imagine if the people in our families, the people on our block, 
the people in our neighborhoods. They didn't know us by anything but this. Those people in that church are the most forgiving people you will ever meet. Well, we don't know them for how wonderful and welcoming they are. We don't know them for how much they, they love God's word and value the truth. We don't know them for how encouraging they are, but no, we know them for how forgiving they are, how confident they live in the forgiveness of their God. And, and they're not only forgiven, but they are forgiving. Imagine that. Lord, increase our faith. Amen.